wherever there are shadows, there are people ready to kick at the darkness until it bleeds daylight. This is Bleeding Daylight with your host, Rodney Olson. Thank you for your company. You can follow Bleeding Daylight wherever you listen to podcasts and never miss an episode. Please encourage others by sharing Bleeding Daylight through our social media channels. What do you do when the busyness of normal family life is shattered by a medical emergency that threatens to change your world forever? That's the story of today's guest. We'll meet her in just a moment. It's one of the oldest questions ever asked. Where is God when trouble strikes? Where is he when things go horribly wrong? How can a God of love allow the suffering that many of us face? Today's guest has had to seek those answers for herself and her family. Out of that experience, she's written the devotional book titled A Perfect Storm. It's my very great honour to welcome Sarah Nelson to Bleeding Daylight. Thanks for your time. Thank you so much for having me. We're going to explore a very real crisis that you faced as a family, but before that, tell me, what was life like for you and your family before everything suddenly changed? It was fairly normal. We were a family with three young children, ages seven, five, and two, so I was very busy. I was managing a a business as well as managing my children, and we had just moved across country, so We were busy, but things were kind of getting back to what I call a normal routine after having three children. So anyone who has young children right now knows uh, what that normal balancing act looks like. Uh, But my children were healthy. We were healthy. Uh, We had really no medical issues that we knew of, and everything was going really well. Something more than just one of those natural ups and downs happened for you. Maybe you can take us through that. Sure. We were on a family ski trip. It was the first time we were skiing as a family of five in Park City, Utah. Beautiful place. And the second day that we were there, I noticed changes in my daughter. We rushed her into the hospital and we realized that our two-year-old baby girl, who is completely healthy, no pre-existing conditions, was suffering from a stroke on the left side of her brain. And she quickly debilitated and lost the use of her right side of her body and was paralyzed on her right side and lost her ability to speak. And we were in the hospital for two weeks in Salt Lake City. She was then in a rehabilitation hospital for over a month in Dallas, and our lives were turned upside down. I can imagine. And I'm wondering about the doctors at the time when they're looking for what is causing these differences in your daughter. Did their minds immediately go toward a stroke? This is something that we would normally imagine happening in someone much older. Actually, they did. They were able to assess her quickly and identify what was happening right away. That morning, I actually saw a difference in her face. When she smiled, she only smiled a half smile. Later that afternoon, she was not responding to me or talking back to me as she did. Fortunately, she was a chatty two-year-old. Uh, So I noticed something that was off. And then by the time we got her into the hospital, the doctor showed me that her grip on her right hand was weakening and she was dipping. Her leg on her right side was dipping as she walked. And the doctor looked at me right away in the pediatric emergency room and he said, I'm sorry, but I fear your daughter is having a stroke. And immediately they went into testing 
CAT scans, MRIs, and they were to, able to identify it right away. What goes through your mind in a time like this? A perfectly healthy two-year-old, you've got two other children that are there with you on the holiday that need to be taken care of at the same time. What goes through your mind? The first thing we thought was we didn't know a two-year-old who is completely healthy could suffer from a stroke. It's typically something you hear about in elderly people, as well as maybe here and there, sometimes you hear of someone who is in their 30s or 40s, but never a child. It's not something that my husband and I had heard of before. There's really sort of this vacuum in your mind because you're trying to process the information that you're being given. It takes a while to try to come to grips with what is actually taking place. And how does that balance work in your mind? You're obviously concerned for the here and now and what's going to happen to this beautiful child of yours. Was there a balance between that and then wondering, what is the long-term prognosis? What does this mean long-term? Yes. In fact, I was thinking that in the emergency room as they whisked her away to do an MRI. And I was standing in the hallway realizing that she may never walk again. I might have to use sign language. There were no guarantees. What we learned was every stroke is different and every patient recovery is different. And we were watching her abilities deteriorate in front of our eyes. And I imagined her possibly in a wheelchair for the rest of her life or walking uh, with a walker. I had no idea moving forward what our life was going to look like. The rug of normality literally had been pulled out from under us and our normal had completely changed. When did you start to get a grip on what might actually happen? When did doctors start giving you a prognosis for what's going to happen toward the future? Well, they gave us a little bit of insight, like I said, in the emergency room. But once she was in the pediatric ICU, intensive care unit, they began to lay out the issues that we may face in the hospital there for the two weeks uh, while we were in Salt Lake City. And again, they told us that she would never fully recover 100% of what she lost. And they could give no guarantees if she would ever walk or talk again. They, they said, once again, children have a good chance of recovery because the neurons in their brain are growing so quickly, but they could give no guarantees. And he said, a full recovery for a child like this would be to regain up to 80% of what they lost and that a true full recovery was not possible. So it's difficult enough for you and your husband to deal with this, but how did you talk about it with the other two children? Well, my husband did a great job. Uh, as I mentioned, we were skiing, and fortunately, we were f with family. And so while I stayed with our daughter, Adelie, in the hospital, he helped manage uh, the other two children and drove back and forth to the lodge to take care of them, to talk to them. And we were just very honest and open to let them know what was going on. So by the time they were able to come to the hospital to visit her, they accepted her differences. Uh, we just told them that we weren't sure. We prepared them that she was moving around in a wheelchair in the hospital. And they loved her and they embraced her. And it was very sweet to watch them just accept her for the condition that she was in. And what about the wider family that you were there with at the time and, and obviously other family members in different places? What was their response to this terrible tragedy happening within your family? Everyone was in complete shock. 
And because we were a thousand miles away, we live in Texas. My family is in Texas. My husband's family uh, was in Houston at the time. They were in shock and they were in dismay because they couldn't come up to help us because there were only a certain number of people who could be up there in the hospital. And it was heartache for them because they couldn't come to help. But what they did was they began to pray for us and pray for our daughter. And they called on their churches and their prayer groups and their friends to start praying for us and for our daughter. And we began to have many, many people praying on our behalf and praying for her recovery. We often hear at times like this where something happens to people of faith that there are such a network of churches that suddenly get the message and start to pray. Were you aware of that happening around you? I was at the time. I was aware of it. We had our home church in Waco, Texas, praying for us. My parents had their churches in Dallas and Houston praying for us as well. And I have family in Illinois, Indiana, California. They reached out to their prayer groups and their churches and They began to pray in a way where people were praying for our daughter who didn't even know her. And we ended up having thousands of people praying on her behalf. And I call it our army of prayer warriors because when we were in the hospital, we felt those prayers sustain us. You're feeling that sustaining power of prayer as you're going through this, but there must have been those doubts. There must have been some of those questions that I mentioned in the introduction of, How can God allow this? How did you start to process that? I was standing in the pediatric ICU. The doctors had just given me the rundown and the prognosis of what I mentioned earlier, that she would not have a true full recovery, that she would only be able to regain up to 80% of what she lost. And my husband was not there yet that morning because he was taking care of the children. I was by myself standing over her as she laid there asleep in her hospital bed. And I just prayed. I said, Lord, I'm willing to accept your will for her life. But right now, I pray for a full recovery over my daughter. I know you have the power to do that. I said, so Lord, I pray that she will talk. I pray that she will walk. I pray she will run. And I give her to you right now. And I pray that she will be a normal kid and have a normal life. And I just handed it off to the Lord because I knew that only He could do uh, what I was asking. And then I had to focus on taking care of her, whatever that looked like. If I had to take care of her because she was in a wheelchair for the rest of her life, that was my mission to do that at the time. And I felt that resolve as a parent, but I did have to hand it off to the Lord. And that was the first step in just moving forward in what was to come. And what was to come from that point on? What were the things that then started to to lay out in front of you? As people were praying for us, her process of recovery uh, began to stabilize. So we saw her stabilize. Uh, She began to learn to sit up again. It was as if she were a six-month-old trying to go through therapy. For two weeks, we walked through the process of checking all of the different things that may have gone wrong. Fortunately, everything checked out well, and the doctors called her situation a perfect storm. And where it's all these components coming together, they couldn't necessarily find the cause of the stroke, but it could have been different components coming together at just the right time to cause this crisis. And so we took that as good news 
because that meant that there wasn't a blood disease or an organ issue. And so we just continued to move forward. And then once she was readmitted into the rehabilitation center in Dallas, where she was an inpatient for a month, where she did intensive therapy, her process was out of the gate a jump start. We were there one day and she went from not being able to walk, got up in her first therapy session and began to run. I actually had to step out to go to the doctor during that time. And my parents were there because they were helping me. And fortunately, it was in my hometown of Dallas. So they were able to uh, go to the therapy session with her. I had come down with strep throat and had to go to a different doctor uh, while she was in her therapy session. And I left with my dad carrying her down the hospital hallway to begin her first therapy session, physical therapy session to strengthen her leg. My goal at the time was that by the time we left the inpatient rehabilitation center, I at least wanted to and hoped to be able to stabilize her on a walker so that she could begin the journey of walking again. So as I watched my dad carry her down the hallway, I went to the doctor, was treated, came back two hours later. My dad had put it on video so that I have it on video to watch. But my daughter was standing next to my father and had begun to run back and forth during therapy. And I knew in that moment that God had given her a miracle, a jump start in healing. And her stay in the rehabilitation center was only four weeks. Her original um, estimated stay was eight to 12 weeks. But the doctors didn't know what to do with her. They had never or they acted as if they had never seen a child recover so quickly. And so they could only justify her being an inpatient for a month. And during that time, she ran, she got occupational therapy for her arm, she had speech therapy. And by the time she left that hospital, she was able to talk, walk, and run, and live life as a normal child. It's an absolutely remarkable turnaround. And no doubt people of faith would say, well, it's largely down to the fact that thousands of people at this stage are praying for this girl, some who, as you say, don't even know her. There's a remarkable turnaround. But was that the the completion of the therapy once she got home? Was there an ongoing therapy that she needed to be part of? Yes. When we got home, she underwent two and a half years, almost three years of occupational therapy and physical therapy. And for her right arm, her right leg, her hands, just to continue to build the strength in the right side of her body. And so that was a daily process, multiple times a week. Our schedule was very different from our schedule beforehand. But in that process of recovery, it was amazing to watch how God makes our bodies in this incredible, remarkable way to be able to recover things that we lose and how we exercise our mind and our body, especially for a child, because they're growing so quickly. I do believe that God designs our bodies to be able to bounce back, and which is kind of another form of healing. So you have this two-year-old at the time who has been through this trauma. This was back in 2014. We're many years on from there now. How is she these days? She's great. She's a third grader. She's nine years old. She's the life of the party. She is a true joy. 
very social, has lots of friends, and she gets to live a normal life. This year we have uh, realized there are some reading issues that we have to address, but you would never know looking at her that she has been through anything like she has been through. Does she have any recollection of those early days? I mean, most of us would not remember what we were doing when we were two years old, but is there any recollection of that or is it more the therapy that came after that went on for a couple of years? She doesn't remember having a stroke or being in the hospital, although it was very traumatic for her. So for a while, she got upset when we had to go to the hospital for checkups. But she really remembers therapy. You know, her whole preschool years were just therapy three times a week. And so she remembers that. She talks about her situation matter-of-factly because that's what therapists do. Each day you have therapy. They talk to you about what you're doing well and what we need to work on. She takes a daily aspirin. So she remembers uh, how to take care of herself in ways that maybe other people don't have to do. And she's actually very responsible about it because that's all she's known. But we try to be very upbeat and matter-of-fact, but not to dwell on it. So there's this amazing turnaround, and you've got your your beautiful daughter back. But, of course, there are many people that go through all sorts of crises that it doesn't turn out so well. And you decided that you wanted to speak for those people as well. And so you've written this devotional book. Tell me, when did the thought of this idea come to you? Well, I began writing updates on a Caring Bridge blog while she was in rehabilitation in the hospital because we knew there were so many people praying for us that I wanted to start updating them on the, the progress she was making. I felt a responsibility very, very early on that that was meant to be shared. And so I was updating everyone on this blog because I wanted them to know, we see your prayers being answered. This is God working and He is teaching us lessons in this process. And I began to feel the responsibility of that. During that time, you know, I would never think that I can speak for someone whose child has not recovered or for someone who's lost a child. But during that time, I began to feel led to share a testimony based on Psalm 1824. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it about how God had prepared me for this moment to deal with this crisis. And initially, I did not want to share it, but God gave me a sign to share it. I prayed over that. I released it on the blog. had no idea why he wanted me to share this testimony. And when I got home, a friend of mine who I had known was pregnant with her fourth child in December walked up to me. I was back home. I'd seen her for the first time. I had no idea what was going on back home because I had just been in this complete vacuum during the time. And I saw she was in her third trimester. I walked up to her. She walked up to me. I said, oh, Shelly, how are you doing? I'm so excited to see you. What are you having? And she looked at me and she said, well, I'm having a girl, but she's not going to live. And my heart broke. Here I had just come out of the hospital where my child had lived. I had no words to offer her. I just looked at her and I said, I'm so sorry. And I felt so ill-equipped to say anything that could be of hope or encouragement. I felt so ill-equipped. And she looked at me and she said, Sarah, I read your blog on Psalm 118.24 while Adelise was in the hospital. And it ministered to me. And she said, God changed my perspective 
through your situation. And I was stunned, totally stunned and humbled because I knew that that did not come from me. That came from the Holy Spirit. And part of this journey, as we have began to write things down, it it came to the fact that I did feel uh, we were supposed to write this in devotional format. And Shelly is actually a guest featured in this devotional, in devotionals 24 and 25. And she shares her story. And it really is able to minister to those who have lost a child or lost a loved one during a crisis. And it's about how God cares for the brokenhearted and how He ministers to those who have lost. I sometimes feel that when we're asking those deeper questions about why things happen, we need to keep it in the perspective that this life isn't all there is. Is that something that really came home to you during this time? Yes, it came home to me as I was standing in the emergency room, contemplating on the fact that my daughter may never walk or talk again. And as I was standing there, I looked down this dark corridor. Behind me, I could hear the noise of the doctors and my husband, Mark, talking through the scenarios, talking through the tests and the blood work. And I just had a moment to stop and pause. And I, as I stood there, I felt the Lord speak to me because the rug of normality, like I had said, had been pulled out from under us. And I was envisioning of, of the possibility of what life may look like. And I felt the Lord stop me and I felt his presence and I felt him say, Sarah, I am here. I am God. I am constant. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And he spoke so many lessons to me in that moment. And I felt his peace kind of fall over my shoulders as if he was draping a cloak around my shoulders. And it helped the ball of stress in my stomach. It didn't make it go away because as a mother, I don't believe it's made to go away, but it did sustain the stress that I felt. In that moment, I realized how temporary this life is, that her body may be broken, but how quickly that would pass because I knew that one day in eternity, she would be whole again. And in that moment, he gave me such an eternal perspective, a perspective that this life goes by so fast and that our focus should be on eternal purpose. It's an interesting perspective to bring out of this. And we mentioned at the start how you had this so-called normal life of, of running after three active children and you're on this holiday and that seemed to be life as normal. I'm wondering how much life as normal has changed. What are the different perspectives that God has now brought to bear? What are the differences in your normal today? We have a greater understanding of our relationship with the Lord and how He interacts with us in our crisis and in our darkest circumstances. But we are also very aware of, of what people are going through with children who are in the hospital, who are suffering from disease, who are suffering from this kind of crisis, you have a greater understanding, a greater depth of emotional awareness of what those people are feeling and going through. And we've been able to minister and reach out to people who are going through similar circumstances. And my heart also has a greater understanding for children who are in wheelchairs, for children who are stabilized on walkers, for parents who have a special needs child. And even though my daughter is not 
categorized as a special needs child. I've watched and been so close in the hospital and understand the day-to-day schedule and demands that they have on their life. And so it opened our eyes to deeper feeling, deeper understanding. And in that, we've been able to turn around and reach out and minister to those going through similar situations. Have you had a response from some of the people that have read it who are going through those sorts of difficult times? Yes, I have. The response has been incredible. People can identify, even if they have a different circumstance, people can identify going through pain and sadness and crisis because unfortunately, that is a part of life. And so when people see how God interacts in a very tangible way, in a very practical way, it really helps them to apply scripture to their own lives. And the scripture that I actually used in this devotional is the scripture that was given to me on note cards on a three ring binder by the people in our Sunday morning class at our church. They gifted me with the scripture. And each of those scriptures I've included in this devotional because those are the scriptures that God used to breathe his peace and breathe the lessons of him being there for us during that time. And what are some of the responses that people have made, those that have had the opportunity to to read through that day-by-day journal? Uh, What has been the, the response coming back? What are some of the stories that you've heard? I think the main thing that people say is, I identify so much because I know a child who is going through cancer, or my daughter just was diagnosed with this rare disease. That is the response that I get the most, especially people with children, people who are dealing with a family member going through cancer, even though that's different. People have just related so much just through hearing a story and understanding the pain of a loved one or the pain of a parent, the agony that a parent goes through watching that family member or loved one suffer. And so the main thing that I hear is identify so much with this and it meant so much to me because we're walking through a similar crisis. I know that at the time, the scriptures that you had, knowing that people were praying for you, you had this real sense that God was holding you up. Have you had responses like that from some of the people that have read through the devotional, that that it's given them that same sort of sense that, that God is walking through this with them? Yes. In fact, one of the readers reached out to me via Facebook, and they had just lost a family member. And that family member had gone through sickness. And she just reached out to me to say, as we're walking through this grief, this journey and this devotion and the scriptures have given us strength to understand uh, the reality of life, but that how God intervenes on our behalf and He how he intercedes for us through his Holy Spirit. And, and really, they understand how scripture comes to life because scripture is breathed by the Holy Spirit, is breathed by God. And so even if it's applied to a different scenario or circumstance, the Holy Spirit ministers to everyone on such an individual level through that scripture. And so, yes, the person who reached out to me had just lost a loved one and was able to work through their grief while reading the scriptures through this devotional. I know that many people who are facing crisis who are already people of faith would want to have something like this in their hand to help them through at this time, to to read those scriptures that have helped you so much. I'm wondering, have there been people who have been further away from God who have thought, 
I just need something that they've been able to pick up this book and start to to relate to God in a different way? Yes. In fact, I had someone recently gift uh, this devotional to several people who are really searching and they're in the process of reading it or they've heard an interview or a podcast and they are beginning to respond and ask questions. And the first devotional is on salvation. So if there is someone who has never had a relationship with the Lord before, or maybe never even been taught about what a relationship with Christ is, we start off with the basics of salvation to describe who Jesus is and what he offers us through his sacrifice and through his resurrection. And so, yes, I am starting to see a response, uh, people asking questions, people reaching out to those who have gifted the devotional to them. And it is it is incredible because I have just prayed over this, that whoever reads this, if they don't already know Christ, that they would come to him after reading this journey. Sarah, I'm wondering if you have a copy of the book handy, and maybe there's a devotional in there that has been extra special for you, and maybe you could read us a little of what's in there today. Absolutely. I think the one that is really the most special to me is Devotion 3. It says, God never leaves us, and the scripture is Deuteronomy 31.6. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And the reason this is so special is because this is the foundation of the purpose for this devotional. And it's the first message God laid on my heart because it's the first thing he spoke to me in this crisis to to say, I am God and I am always with you and I am constant. And regardless of what happens on this earth, I will never change. And it just talks about the story. It said, uh, the pediatric ER doctor looked at me and said, I'm worried about your daughter. I think she is having a stroke. Immediately, doctors and nurses flooded the room and began drawing blood, poking Adelie for IVs and prepping her for a CAT scan. It was apparent Adelie's brain had been affected and her ability to talk had been impaired while the other symptoms were progressing. Adelie was losing the ability to use the entire right side of her body as well as her ability to speak. The next step was to answer a multitude of questions. In the middle of the whirlwind, I stood in the emergency room hallway looking into the dark, empty corridor. Moments earlier, my daughter had been lying on the bed in the room adjacent to where I was standing. My heart felt like a heavy bowling ball pressing down my chest and my stomach was a ball of knots pulling in opposite directions. Time stood still. In that moment, I felt the Holy Spirit fall over me as I heard a voice over my head, state the word of God. I heard the Lord say to me, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Sarah, I am here. I am God and I am constant. And that is the thing and the message that I want to make sure that listeners hear is that when you're going through a crisis, God wants to be there for you and he wants you to feel his presence. And that reading just took us right there into that situation and we can start to feel some of the anguish that you're feeling, but also at the same time, there's that immediate comfort. And I wonder if you look back to the Sarah before this incident happened, would you ever have believed that your faith would be strong enough to carry you through, that you'd be where you are now and being able to minister to other people? I don't think we can ever foresee these circumstances 
the Lord had been preparing me with Psalm 118.24 for two years. I began to quote that every day. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And I began to quote it because we had had a lot of things going on, and I just needed to make sure that I maintained a positive attitude and joy in the Lord, regardless of what happened that day. Because sometimes the blessings, even on our normal day, can feel overwhelming, especially when you have three small children. But the Lord prepared me and disciplined me with that scripture so that once I was in a situation where something happened that was a crisis and that was something that was truly awful, the Lord helped me to remain in a perspective where regardless of what happens, even though my daughter may never be the same, He is my joy, and it's a day that the Lord has made, and I will still rejoice that He is God because He does not change. And that just sustained me when that happened. You know, I looked back over the last two years of being disciplined in that scripture and thought, wow, it's incredible how God will go before us and prepare us. And looking back, it's amazing to see how God works in that way. When these large events happen in our lives, they can tend to define us in a couple of ways. Sometimes they'll define us in a way that we cannot get past that, and it's going to hold us back for the rest of our lives until we're prepared to do business and bring some change. Or they can define us as a way that launches us into something else. And I see that that's what's happened for you, that this has defined you to a large degree to be someone who is continuing to minister to other people. And I guess that's the the legacy that this event has taken place. Maybe you can help us to, to fast forward to, to where things are now. Explain what normal looks like in your household today. Oh, well, I love that question, first of all, because you're right. Uh, the purpose of this devotional is to let people know God wants to be there for you during crisis. But it's also the point, and this is where Shelly comes in and her testimony is we can allow the Lord to minister to us, which He wants to. He wants us to receive that peace and comfort. But then when we learn how to receive that, there are things that we can do then to turn and look outward into the lives of other people to then minister to them. And that is what the Lord, I think, wants us to do and, and sometimes calls us to do. And so that is how this has taken shape. And as you mentioned, it is the legacy of this devotional and of these stories of two families intertwined that we are now able to see how God ministered to us and how He ministered to Shelley and her family to know that we can then turn and look outwardly to minister to those who are going through a crisis. And that is the whole point of this. Um, but today, a normal in my house Um, is very, very busy. Our children are now 14, 12, and 9, and they are active. They're busy. Uh, My husband is an entrepreneur. I have a part-time job on the staff at our church uh, using my background in business to uh, minister to people. And so we are literally jumping from one thing to the next. But this has also taken priority that together as a family, we've had the opportunity to stand up and share what God has done in our life. And as you continue to do that through this wonderful devotional, I'm sure that there are people listening right now who say, that is something that I need in my life right now because I've been through a difficult time. Or, as you say, to to be able to gift this book to someone else who, if they know that someone is going through a difficult time, that they would like to, to gift it to them. 
if people are trying to get themselves a copy of A Perfect Storm, where should they go? They can go on Amazon and they can get the ebook or they can get a paperback copy. Amazon.com. You can type in A Perfect Storm Devotions During a Crisis. You can also go to my blog, sarahnelsonblog.com, and there is a link where you can buy it on Amazon there as well. And, of course, we will put links to both Amazon to, to get the book, also to your blog on the show notes at bleedingdaylight.net so that people can track that down very easily. Sarah, it has been wonderful to talk to you, to hear how God has used this very difficult circumstance to bring good for so many more people. I I just want to thank you for being open with your story and thank you for being prepared to hear God's voice in putting this devotional together for others. Thanks for your time today. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Bleeding Daylight. Please help us to shine more light into the darkness by sharing this episode with others. For further details and more episodes, please visit bleedingdaylight.net.